0: If you're here this morning, we're looking forward to a great time this morning. And so if you would, take your outline there. And we're going to get started with this first lesson today. And the first lesson deals with uh, Christianity, but it's it's a, a thought about Christianity that a lot of times we tend to, we realize, but we really don't talk about it much. And it's this matter of how sometimes things get skewed, sometimes things, uh, things get a little... Uh, misunderstandings and so today we're going to talk about the convolution of christianity and it's so very important because listen there are years gone by if you said i'm a christian everybody knew what that meant but nowadays there are a lot of people that use the word christian but it's really not what they think it is and so today i want to start with this one verse out of jeremiah chapter 31 and verse number three if you notice there the bible says the Lord hath appeared of old unto me saying, "Yea, I have loved thee." With what kind of love? Yeah, what kind of what kind of love? Everlasting. everlasting, all right? Now think about that. How long is everlasting? Forever, right? And who said that? Was that Jeremiah that said that? It was it was God's word, right? God said through the prophet. He says, "Look, I have loved you with an everlasting love. Nothing is ever going to change that. I mean, mothers today is Mother's Day. Happy Mother's Day to you. And I, I think about how wonderful a mother's love is, but I think there's a love that supersedes mother's love, and it's the love of God. God's loved us with an everlasting love, and He says in the last part of that verse in Jeremiah 31, He says, "Therefore, with loving kindness." Have I drawn thee? Have I drawn thee? Now, I want you to think about that this morning because being a Christian is a wonderful thing. Uh, I am so glad that God loves even me. Uh, I think about how many times the things I do wrong, you know, I can be a knucklehead. I mean, sometimes I disobey God, but I'm glad for the fact, remember, no matter what we do, now, God may not be pleased with us, but God says, I've loved thee with an everlasting love. You know, it's kind of like a mother. She can't now. I realize we're living in a different day. But no matter if I've heard of, of parents and children divorcing each other, I, I don't understand that terminology because you can go through legal proceedings, but guess what? That child is still that, your child. That, that, that mother is still your mother. You might not, it might not be that way on paper, But it's interesting to understand this matter of the love that we have. And as we begin to unpack this matter of the Christian life, I want you to think about what it says here in Romans 8, 23. Look there in your notes. The last part of that verse says, We ourselves, notice the word, grown. It says, within ourselves, waiting for the adoption to wit, the redemption of our what? Of our body. Now, We'll get into this a little bit, and, and you'll hopefully start to understand where I'm going with this. But I want you to think about uh, one of the things that I think is a special day is a wedding day. And I know some of us, it's been a long time. Uh, my wife and I just celebrated 33 years, and it's, it seems like it was just yesterday. But I, I, I love the fact now, I've never been a big wedding goer, but I'll tell you, I love the, the, the concept, I love the idea, I love the spirit of the day. And as you think about a wedding day, uh, it's an opportunity where uh, sometimes you'll see the bride and what she'll do is she'll, she'll go through a time maybe during the day, maybe early in the day where a photographer will take pictures and uh, she'll begin to smile and she's wanting to make sure that, you know, depending on the weather that her makeup is right and that everything is just right. And sometimes it, it can seem overwhelming for a bride just trying to make sure her wedding day, the day she's waited for all her life, that everything goes just according to the way she's always imagined it, because this is her dream come true. She wants to make sure everything is correct, and I think about how she, she wants to focus uh, so much on those things that she doesn't want to think about the hardship of, of, of the difficulty of the day, but what she's wanting to think about is how she's going to spend the rest of her life with her groom her husband, the man of her dreams, and and she begins to think through, listen, through all the hardships, she begins to think constantly, yes, this might be difficult for me today, but what what helps her make it through that day is thinking about how much he loves her. And when I look at Romans 8.23, the Bible says, we ourselves groan within ourselves, waiting for the adoption to wit, the redemption of our body. I mean, think about this. Jesus Christ is the bridegroom, and we, as his people, we are the bride, the bride of Christ. And I think about just like that bride was preparing herself. Remember what Jesus said in John 14? He says, I'm going away to prepare a place for you. Well, what an exciting day that's going to be. But listen, while Jesus is there, preparing a place for us, guess what we're doing? We still live this Christian life. We still go through the daily struggles of the Christian life. Just like that bride going through, making sure everything is just right in our lives. Every day we face real life challenges. And look, God wants to fulfill his promise of redemption. And by the way, I hope you believe that that is going to become a reality someday. In other words, we're going to spend all of eternity with the Lord. The Bible says the redemption of our body. See, one day we're going to leave this life, and to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. But today I want you to focus on that, listen, as great as that day is going to be, we have to live in reality. In other words, God saved us and he left us here. And we need to understand what this matter of the Christian life is all about. It, it Being a Christian is living by the grace of God. We have been rescued by Jesus, and what he wants us to do is to have a real relationship with him. But here's, and I just talked to the guys about this at the camp out. What we have to do is we have to wait patiently. I told the men at the camp out, I said, that's one, one of the gifts that I really struggle with is waiting patiently. Some of the most difficult times in our lives as a Christian is to wait on the lord robert i think somebody wants a a outline maybe or something over here and so we want to make sure that we wait patiently on the lord because god has something for us now what does god call this while we patiently wait look back in romans 8 23 look at the word starts with a g what is it romans 8 23 what's the word starts with a g groaning right an interesting word there groaning is how He describes this matter of us waiting. See, if we're saved today, and I hope that you are, you can be sure, as somebody said, that salvation is not a product of religion. Salvation is a gift from God that brings us into a relationship with Jesus Christ. I love the fact that when I got saved, that's when my Christian life began. See, you can't be a Christian without Christ. The very word... Christian means little Christ, and we need to develop this relationship with him. We need to understand the Christian life, and listen, I hope you're understanding it, because if you don't understand it, the truth is you're going to have a hard time enjoying it, and I, I look, it's going to be a great day when we get to heaven someday, but why do we have to wait till we get to heaven to enjoy the Christian life? You can enjoy it right now. Uh, you can enjoy it the splendors that God has for us, because after we get saved, our life begins to flourish. We begin to grow in the grace and knowledge of Jesus Christ. And don't get me wrong, I know even in my own life, sometimes it's easy to get off track. Sometimes we get off course a little bit. And that's why it's good to be in church and be in the Word of God, because those things will help you. It's good to have Christian friends in your life that, that when maybe they, they, they kind of see you kind of moving in a direction that's not good or godly, they, they lovingly say, hey, listen, is everything okay? And it's easy sometimes for us to lose the joy of the Lord. Uh, cur- uh, confusion and discouragement is something that abounds among many Christians. A lot of Christians get very discouraged, and they become very confused about the Christian life And somewhere between the time that we get saved and the day that we're going to meet Jesus face to face, we go through this groaning, this difficulty sometimes of waiting. Are you guys with me this morning? You understand what what I'm talking about? It's so important because, look, it's just like in your life. If you go out to the cemetery today and you look at somebody's gravestone, it'll have on there a birthday and a death day. But right between those two dates, there's a dash. What does that dash represent? It represents the life of that person. It might have been five years, 50 years, or longer. And when we get saved, the Bible calls that a spiritual birth. I hope you can look back to a time or a place that you came to know Christ as your Savior. But from that time that you got saved until the time that you go home to be with the Lord in heaven... That's what I want to focus on this morning, is making the most out of that time that God's given to us. And I I got saved when I was 20, and I'm getting close to that three score. I'm not there yet, but I'm getting close to that three score. Uh, Brother brother Vaughn's older than I am, so he'll get there before I do. But here's the thing is, is that we have to understand in our lives that as we live in this world, that every day that we live, there are forces at work that want to oppose the joy of the Lord in our lives. Uh, They work overtime sometimes, I think, to fuel fear in our lives, anxiety in our lives. Remember the song, prone to wander, Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the God I love. Now think about that. Remember what the Bible says in the book of Revelation? He was talking about one of those churches in Asia and he says thou hast left thy first love. Sometimes we just fall out of love with God. And there are those enemies out there that are opposing us and you know when you think about it it's so important that we go back to what Jeremiah said. And here's what listen listen to what God says, not what the opposing forces say. God says I've loved thee with an everlasting love. I'm the one that has drawn you out of that life of sin. I'm the one that's given you liberty. And and there is, a, there is a focus here this morning that we need to understand, and that is that you and I, we cannot be any more accepted in God's sight than we already are. According to the Word of God, we are accepted in the beloved, Ephesians one six. You know what God calls that? He calls that grace. You know what you are to God? You're his delight. You're saved and you're in Christ. You are a part of the redeemed. We are complete in Him. But we have to understand that, listen, being a Christian is different than being somebody that's not a Christian. There ought to be something distinctly different about us because of of the Holy Spirit of God. The name Christian is something that's, honestly, it's been hijacked. I mean, I don't know if you're like me, but A lot of times, and it's sad that you have to be this way, but when I go to the gas station, I used to just get out of my car and pump gas. When I get out of my car now, I walk over to the pump. Before I do anything, I look to see if the sticker, the seal on the pump has been broken or not. Because people open those up, put those reading machines in them, people swipe their card and they get all the information, they go back, pull those out, And then they begin to take your card, they hijack your card. I don't know anybody that likes to have their card hijacked. Because then then you've got to go through all the hassle of calling the credit card companies, hey, listen, somebody's stolen my credit card. Listen, that's what what the devil is doing with Christianity. Is he skewing people's perspective of what a Christian really is. We've got to understand this morning what it means to be a Christian. Somebody said every year, this is staggering, but it's a true fact every year more than 10 million Americans fall victim to identity theft. I mean, brother Kenny, he it's happened to him three times since I've been here in three and a half years. I said, I don't know what it is. Maybe that last name, God be. I, I don't know what it is, but uh, they just, I, he's just like a magnet or something. I'm like, look, man, you just need to cut up all your cards and just go back to cash or something. But, but folks, listen, that many people are having their names hijacked by these cyber savvy individuals. These people are so smart. They can figure anything out. The ones that are actually coming up with the technology are the ones that are either selling it to, to other people or they themselves are going back in and hacking their own things and it's a, it's an interesting day that we live in but can i tell you not about things of this world but the things of god that people are are hijacking what christianity is if you ask americans and you could try this sometime just just go around asking people what do they think of when they hear the word christian i will tell you this you'll get a wide variety of answers when you ask them, what do you think of when you hear the word Christian? Because the term Christian, Christianity, and Christ, which, by the way, all of those all tie together, all of those terms have become confusing and complicated. And listen, when, they, when, when the enemies begin to confuse us with Christ, Christianity, being a Christian, guess what happens? The message of Jesus and the, the message of the word of God have become misrepresented. And so today I want to look at this morning three culprits of this matter of of the identity theft of Christianity. Look at the first culprit, and the first one we'll call it creed. Creed, that's the first culprit. Now if you want another word for creed, here it is, religion. See, understand this morning that Jesus came to save us from our sins. Religion will not save you. Being a part of a church, being a part of a denomination is not something that will save you. Man-made institutions, you know what they do? They hold people hostage. That's what they do. You say, well, you're a church. Listen, we are a church that is following the word of God. We are trying to do things according to the scriptures, the, the teachings of the Lord Jesus himself, Folks, this isn't my way, this isn't our church's way, this is God's way, and that's what we need to understand is that religion holds people hostage. How do they do that? Through traditions. They've got certain traditions that you have to keep, that you have to do this. They have, how about this, works-based salvation. In other words, if you don't do this, well, we understand who Jesus is. We understand what he did, but you also have to do this. Many of us have been led to believe that in years gone by, and God's delivered us from that because the Bible says, not by works of righteousness, which we have done, but according to his mercy, he saved us. For by grace are you saved through faith and that not of yourselves. It's a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. I mean, if we could do something to save ourselves, then guess what? Jesus would have never had to come from heaven and die on a cross. So this morning, we we understand that one of the culprits about this matter of convoluted Christianity is that that this matter of religion, creed. uh, A lot of times, people are raised to believe that you can't understand the Bible. Has anybody ever tried to help you understand? You know you, you know, you can't really understand that Bible. There's no sense in reading it. And then other people say, it's not relevant to, to you. That's, that's for people years ago. Listen, folks, every time I read my Bible, I find the relevancy in my life. It, it, it applies to me. It, it helps me. I had a man about two weeks ago, he said to me, he goes, well, you believe the Bible's the word of God, I don't. And I said, listen, you're entitled, you have have the right to believe what you want. I said, because you know why? God's given everyone a free will. God's given every person a conscience. He says to me, he looks at me and he goes, well, how do you know it's the Bible? How do you know it's God's word? Now that told me right there, he's thinking. And I I said, I'll tell you how I know, because God has proven through his word things in my life there's evidence in my own life and i said listen that is something that if i just grab some book of man man's books don't do that for me but god's word does and we, look there there is a culprit today we've got to be aware of that 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 is is trying to get us to believe things that are false things that are not true there were those that were that have taught over the years that Jesus can only be reached uh, through a priest. Listen, the Bible says we can come boldly before the throne of grace. Uh, We have one mediator between God and man. That's the man Christ Jesus. I don't have to go to a priest. Sometimes people come to me and I say, listen, I'd be more than glad to pray with you and to pray for you, but my prayer can't save you. See, I don't listen. As much as I know him I don't have that kind of authority and power i can't save anyone you know we need to understand this morning that religion and denominations are ruining people and they're skewing their vision of what christianity really is how about this sometimes they teach that by keeping the laws and traditions that's the only way that you can have eternal life again what does that do that's a system that is holding people hostage Look, if you don't believe me, go to your Bible sometime this week and read Jesus' dealings with the Pharisees. Because what were they doing? They were telling people, you have to do this, you have to do this. And guess what? While they were telling people, you have to do this, you have to do this, they themselves were not doing those things. And then, interesting that they were imposing things upon people that they themselves were not willing to do. And Jesus says, look, I, I, he said it himself. I didn't come to destroy the law. He said, I came to fulfill it. Jesus Christ, the Son of God, is the fulfillment of the Word of God. And he's trying to help us this morning to understand the, the scriptures themselves, the Word of God, warn us about counterfeit religion. Look in your notes, Matthew 24, 11, Many false prophets shall rise and shall deceive. How many? many? Yeah, it says many. I mean, we have no idea. But would you agree with me this morning, there are many false prophets in the world today, right? Boy, there are so, listen, so many uncertain sounds. People, and and, and guess what? Even Bibles, there's so many different versions of the Bible, and you know why people will read it and believe it? Because on the cover, it says Holy Bible. But they don't realize that some publisher, some individual or group of people have taken the unadulterated Word of God, and they've watered it down. They've changed it. They've skewed it. And again, what we do is we fall prey to that. There are people out there that are hijacking Christianity. Look, no matter what they call it, if it is not truth, then it's not Christianity. It's not Christianity. Uh, It's far removed from that loving relationship that God desires to have with us. Look what it says in 2 Corinthians 6.16. The Bible says, Ye are the temple of the living God, as God has said, I will dwell in them and walk in them, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. Do you know that that relationship that God desires to have has not changed since God created man and placed him in the garden? God has always wanted to be our God, and He's always wanted us to be His people. Now, we understand there's a special relationship when it comes to the nation of Israel, but here's the thing is, even though I may not be a descendant of the nation of Israel, that I am a part of the family of God. I love that song, and it's a it's, it's wonderful thing to be a Christian, but we've got to understand this morning that there are those out there that oppose the truth, and that first culprit this morning, we've got to understand, is creed, it's religion, it's religious institutions. Folks, listen, I'm not part of a religion. I believe with all my heart that what we're a part of today began with Jesus Christ, and it continues to this day. He said, I will build my church. And guess what we're we're a part of today. We're a part of the church of the living God. It's a wonderful thing. But look, we've got to understand these culprits because, number one, I don't want you to fall prey to them. And number two, you need to be aware of them so you can help others who are are being hijacked into what Christianity is about or what their skewed vision is, all right? Look at the second culprit. What is it? The second one, interesting, is Christianity itself. They say, wait a minute. I thought we were talking about this. Do you know that I have found in my life, and there are many that will attest to this very same thing, that those who claim to know Jesus and those who follow Jesus are oftentimes... The worst representatives of Christianity. Anybody ever heard somebody talk about? Well, I would be a Christian, but there are a lot of hypocrites out there. You know what I'm talking about? A lot of people who, who listen. I went to church yesterday, but boy, at Monday, they're sitting in the break room telling dirty jokes. And and people that aren't even saved are looking at you like, wait a minute, didn't you? I heard you say you went to church yesterday. And things just don't line up sometimes. Uh, Gandhi said this, I'd be a Christian if it were not for the Christians. There's a lot of people that feel that way. Sometimes if you ask people, you would say to people, can you describe to me what you think a Christian is? Here's some of the words that I began to think about. Some people would say, well, there's someone that tries to be good. And what does the Bible say? There's none good. Somebody would say, well, they're people that are holier than thou. Holier than thou. They've got that pious attitude. Sometimes they would say, well, I'll tell you what a Christian is. They're judgmental. They're hypocrites. They don't practice what they preach. Does this sound familiar? You hear it all the time. Uh, How about this? They like to argue. They like to argue. Folks, listen. Uh, there's, there's a difference between sharing the truth and arguing with someone. Before I got saved, I used to try to argue with my wife. And she would share things with me, but I would argue with her, ask her. I mean, you know, I, I was a pretty good arguer, you know. And, and, and sometimes they'll say, you know what a Christian is to me? It's someone that's very narrow-minded. Very narrow-minded. You think about, listen, how about this? All the sin that's in the world today... Some of us that are a little bit older, there's a lot in the world today that is now accepted. But according to the Word of God, it's an abomination. But the world has accepted it. Now watch this. And because the world has accepted it, those of us that still believe the Bible and will not give in to that culprit, we're looked upon as being narrow-minded. Well, if you're a Christian, you should love everyone. Well, we do. But we're not going to love the sin that somebody is involved in. Look, I'm not going to hold it against them. Guess what? The Bible says, and such were some of you. I've never forgot where I was when God saved me. And guess what? I am not the example. But I can tell you this every day I struggle. Remember the word? Groaning, right? Every day it's a battle for all of us. (laughs) The Apostle Paul said. I've not yet apprehended. If Paul, the great man of God, could say, listen, I've got a long way to go after all the people that he led to Jesus and all the churches that were started, I dare say there's no one in this auditorium this morning that could stand shoulder to shoulder with Paul. And yet there are so many that would say a Christian is narrow-minded. How about this? They're out of touch with reality. You hear that a lot. A one-dimensional. One-dimensional. See, look, you think about what some of those comments people make about Christians today, and although some of those fragments might be there, they might be in large part somewhat true, but you know what they really are? They really are just a caricature of what the Bible calls a Christian. You ever go to Six Flags or an amusement park, and there's somebody sitting there with an easel, and they, they want to they draw a caricature of you? Anybody ever do that? And, and then when they get done, you're looking at it and you're like, eh, that kind of looks like me, but that's not really not me. Because they put this little bitty body and they got this big head, right? You know, That's a caricature. And by the way, that's exactly what we see sometimes when people just begin to describe what Christianity is. It's just a, a caricature of what a Christian really should be. See, we think about how throughout the New Testament, what does God do? He instructs Christians to live in a way that how about this, that you and I would not be a stumbling block. You, you understand? Stumbling block, something that's in the way that someone would trip over. We were back there on Wednesday night while Brother Chris was uh, going through the first of three. I hope you were here Wednesday night, but if not, come this Wednesday night, next Wednesday night, Brother Chris is going through a, a, uh, just, just a real practical way that we can be a witness for the Lord Jesus. Every Christian should want to be a witness, tell people about the Lord. And we were back there. My wife, she, the kids were real good, and uh, they, were, they were real small. And, and Ezra, your boys were back there. My granddaughter's back there, and Ezra was back there. And, and uh, we were having a good time with those kids. <coughs> and a lot of times, I'm in here with the big kids. That's you. And, uh, and I had an opportunity to go back there. I love kids. And so my wife said, you all did a great job tonight. She says, let's play some musical chairs. So she gets out the musical chairs, and it was funny. I'm telling you, my granddaughter, she doesn't understand the concept that you've got to stay close to the chairs. She's like swinging way wide. And I'm like, Brooklyn, get in there, you know. And, and, and your two boys, I mean, bang, they're, they're on them chairs every time she'd stop playing the music. And then they, got, they had a time that they colored and uh, and Logan was sitting there and he was coloring. They were, they were using their, the seat of their chair to color. And as they were coloring, they, they would color for like five seconds and then they'd want another crayon color. And they'd get up and they'd come over and my wife would hand them another crayon and they'd go back. And my granddaughter, who's only three, she was walking back and Logan didn't do it on purpose. He was just kneeling down, but his feet was there. And my daughter tripped over his foot and almost almost went all the way down. And she turned around and she goes, I'm sorry, Logan. I'm like, seriously? Did she just, that's my, gr- I wanted to take her and give her a kiss. And, you know, I just couldn't believe she did that. But listen, Logan didn't mean that. And a lot of times in our lives, we don't necessarily mean to do it. But you know what we end up doing? We end up causing someone else to stumble over our lives. God says, I don't want you to be a stumbling block. Look at 1 Corinthians 8, 9. Take heed lest by any man this liberty. Notice that word there, because that's what you got whenever you got saved. You got liberty in Christ. People think being a Christian is is cumbersome. It's too hard to be a Christian. No, folks, listen. You you receive liberty, but your liberty is in Christ. Folks, look, when somebody says, well, I don't want to be a Christian because you can't do this, you can't go there, you can't watch this. Folks, I don't miss any of those things. You know why? Because oftentimes those are things of the world. Folks, listen, my liberty is in the Lord Jesus Christ and it says that we need to stand fast in that liberty and it says here uh, that we shouldn't become a stumbling block to them that are weak. Now the Bible goes on in Ephesians 5.3, it says, but fornication and all uncleanness or covetousness, let it not be once named among you. Now who do you think the you is? Come on. It's Christians, right? Believers in Christ. And by the way, there was a list even before this, but he's naming things that are not good things. And he says, these things, not one of them should be named one time among you as becometh saints. Now, the word saint means that we are saved. We're in Christ. God says, I'm holy, therefore be ye holy. And look, there's none, nothing righteous about us, but understand this morning that he doesn't want us, Christianity, to be a culprit of why people can't understand what Christians are. Look at Philippians 1, uh, 127. He says, only let your conversation, your life, that's what he's talking about there, not just talking to each other, but let your conversation be as it becometh the gospel of Christ, that whether I come and see you, or else be absent, in other words, if I'm there, if I'm not there, that I may hear of your affairs. And here's what I want to hear, that you stand fast in one spirit with one mind, striving together for the faith of the gospel. That's the way we need to live our lives. Don't be a stumbling block. Look, don't give somebody the wrong impression or wrong idea or the wrong caricature of what a Christian really is. See, Christianity itself can become one of the culprits, and, and, and people struggle. Listen, there are a lot of Christians that struggle to make their behavior match their beliefs. They struggle with that. And we need to make sure that we accurately represent the family name. Now, my last name is Keeley, And so if you, if you know anything about Tagalog, if you say Keeley Keeley, it actually means armpit. That's so what my, my last name is. So I've had, I've had Filipinos over the years, and they when I when I introduce myself, they're like Keely. And they start <laughs> they start laughing, you know, and I'm like, that's okay. I know what it means. I know what it means. But you know what? Look, I want to make sure that I represent my family name. I'm a Keely. I don't want to bring a blemish on my family's name. But when I got saved, when you got saved, we became a Christian. That's our family we're a part of the family of God and we need to make sure that we don't misrepresent the family name. Are you with me this morning? How many of you think that God is pleased with us when we we treat the family name the way we should? See, one of the culprits is creed, religion, denominations. Another one people have a skewed idea of what being a Christian is is Christianity itself. People are hypocrites. But look at the third one this morning. And I, this is one I could spend forever and a day on is the culture, the culture that we live in. Look, I know times change, right? And, and the truth is, people say, boy, it's worse today than it was my day. Folks, it's been bad since the day God created man. Sin is, a, listen, sin is always gonna abound. But can I tell you where sin abounds, grace much more doth abound, right? And gr- God's grace is always available. But look, there is one called Satan Who's going to try everything he can to blind the minds of people. To get them to where they don't understand and they misrepresent the message of God. Well, how does he do this? Hey, look, there's, uh, and I've never done this, but in days gone by, there's preachers that used to preach about the one-eyed monster. Anybody know what the one-eyed monster is? TV. Now, again, I don't think TV's bad. I think it's how you use it. I don't think the internet's bad. I think it's how you use it. I don't think money is bad. The Bible says the love of money is the root of all evil. But look, I think all of us are smart enough to know that there are some sitcoms and some reality TV shows that do not paint the right picture of what being a Christian really is. Is this hitting home with you this morning? Uh, listen, the shows on TV... I mean, look, we're a long way from Mayberry. We're a long way. Andy Griffith, the Waltons, we're, we're a long way from John Boy, right? And, and every time you turn around, movies. I mean, sometimes you, you'll, have, you'll be watching something that's, that's a wholesome show, and they'll show a preview of some movie, and you're like, how do these people come up with this? And you think about how twisted and distorted and demented people's minds are to come up with some of the stuff that they do. Now, I don't know, just look at me the way you are, because maybe I'm the only one that thinks this, but I'm going to tell you something. All of this is going to cause us to have the wrong idea of what real Christianity is all about. The term Christian can be a form of convenience. Hey, look at this. Sometimes businesses, you know what they do? They actually use a Christian platform to really kind of gain favor with people. How about politicians? They're really good with that. They're talking about God and they're talking about country, and then they get in office and it's like, where's the talk about God? You know, I I thought you were going to represent Christian values, and again, you see so many times out of convenience. How about this athletes? Now, there are some genuine athletes. I'm not, look, I'm not going to throw all athletes under the bus. But there's a lot of athletes that they will use this platform of Christianity, of being a Christian, but yet you see their lifestyle on and off the field doesn't really match. And to me, I think, honestly, that's harder for some people because they see the inconsistencies in their lives. Christian is one of the most hijacked and misguided. Uh, uh, appropriated names in human history. Not every group, and this is what you've got to understand because, again, they're very masterful of how they present it, how they package it, but not every group or faith-based organization that calls itself Christian is a Christian organization. A lot of times we're led to believe that they are. They don't really understand what the meaning of the term Christian is. And look at the Bible, says in 2 Corinthians eleven fourteen. 14. How about this? Here's how God puts it, and no marvel. In other words, does it really surprise you? He says, for Satan himself is transformed into an angel of light. You know, Satan himself, he can package himself in such a way that you're like, oh, this looks like a good thing. I, I, I might be stepping on some toes here today, so I'll, I'll walk lightly. If you study the Bible now again I'm just giving you I'm not giving you opinion I'm giving you Bible. Jesus Christ when he came, he died for the church acts twenty twenty eight he purchased the church with his own blood. Jesus did not come to establish a television ministry or a parachurch organization. Are you with me? He came to establish the church, but a lot of good Christians over the years have bought into these TV evangelists, that if you send in forty-nine we'll send you a prayer hanky. And, and people buy into that stuff. They believe that stuff. And they give to some of these organizations. I'm a firm believer that everything we do as Christians should be done through the church because that's what Jesus has chosen to do his work through this world today. You see, God was working through... Israel in the Old Testament. He called it the church in the wilderness. But when you come to the New Testament times, by the way, we're living in New Testament times right now. And when you come to the New Testament, guess what you find? The vehicle that God is using to reach the world with the gospel is the church of Jesus Christ. And so everything we do, folks, now by the way, I'm not trying to get your money. (laughs) Guess what? God doesn't need your money. He owns the cattle on a thousand hills and the wealth in every mine. Understand this morning, God wants to bless your life. God desires to bless your life. But if you have the wrong concept, look, where do you get that from? You get that from Satan himself because he transforms himself into an angel of light. Authentic Christians find their belief in the Bible as the source of truth. Look what it says in Psalm one nineteen one sixty, 160. Thy word is true from the beginning, and every one of thy righteous judgments endureth forever. Christians can have a a, a bad name, and here's why, because of their inconsistency between their life and the Word of God. You know what our life needs to do? It needs to line up with the Word of God. Your life needs to line up with the Scriptures. Look at Galatians 2. It says, when Peter, how about this? This is a great example right here. When Peter was come to Antioch, he withstood him to the face. This is talking about the Apostle Paul because he was to be blamed. Wait a minute, isn't this Peter, the apostle? Isn't the one that, this the one that preached on the day of Pentecost? Absolutely, same guy. By the way, he's also one that denied the Lord too and the rooster crowed, right? But look what it says here. He withstood him because he was to be blamed. Now, why was Peter in trouble? Look at this. Because before that certain came from James, he did eat with what people? Gentiles. Now watch, but when they were come... He withdrew himself and separated himself, fearing them which were of the circumcision. Now, who's the circumcision? What group of people is that talking about? Jews. Jews. So look here. Peter's over here, and he's, he's having a good time with Gentiles. And here comes the Jews, and he's like, oh, 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 I need to pull away from these people. Come back over here and be with these people. And that's why, and by the way, I would have never wanted the Apostle Paul in my face. I'm going to tell you something, the Apostle Paul, you know why he did that? Because he was trying to get Peter to understand that God loves everyone, that we need to make sure that we're consistent in our lives, and the consistency in our lives needs to come from the Word of God. I hope that you want to live your life that way. Look, folks, here's the bottom line. Forces today are working against us, trying to prevent us from experiencing joy in the Christian life, in this journey. And we've got to understand it by God's definition, not by mine, not by our churches, but the way God defines it. Christianity is, let me say it again, Christianity is relevant to your life. It really is. And we need to be informed, not misinformed. And We need to understand that if we're misinformed and we buy into it, you know what it's going to do? It's going to lead you and I down the wrong road. Here's a great verse. Look at this. John 10, 10. The thief cometh not, here's why he comes, to steal, to kill, and destroy. But I love what Jesus said. He said, I am come that they may have life, that they may have it more abundantly. So what we have to do is get a fresh look at what being a Christian is, who Christ is, what Christianity is, and understand that there are many culprits in the world today. We just talked about three of them today. Creed, religion, Christianity itself, people who are hypocrites, their life doesn't line up with what they believe. And then the third one is this matter of culture and how distorted the culture makes things to be. Folks, listen, I hope you listen this morning. I hope you got it. And I hope you want to live a life that's distinctly different that matches Jesus. Let's make our Heavenly Father, proud that we are honoring the family name. Let's pray this morning. Lord, thank you for this opportunity to be here. Thank you for the Word of God. Pray that, Lord, even though I may have said some things that maybe were the first time that they were heard, that our hearts were open and that we're willing to see the truth. Lord, it's never our intention, my intention to offend. I don't want to be a stumbling block. But I do pray that we would live a life that is consistent with the word of God and pleasing to you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.